Tonight's program is brought to you by the China Hockey Group. The CHG is a family-oriented group of ice hockey leagues, training programs, and community initiatives geared at developing ice hockey in Hong Kong and southern China. Established in 2011, the CHG is comprised of various programs for players of all levels. From the exceptional Junior Tigers program, the HKBN Idol League, the Learn to Play and Learn to Skate programs, all the way up to their adult leagues, which include the SCIHL, for those looking for a fun recreational experience, and the CIHL, which is the only elite full contact adult hockey league. If you're looking for some hockey equipment, or if you even need your skates sharpened, stop by the CHG showroom in Central, an exclusive reseller of Warrior and Power equipment. For more information about their programs, check out their website at ChinaHockeyGroup.com. That's ChinaHockeyGroup.com. Hey, hockey fans, welcome to Across the Pond, Hong Kong's first and only hockey podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ivany, and my guest today was born and raised in Fulton, New York. He was drafted in the first round in 2004 by the Edmonton Oilers, played over 600 professional games in his career in seven different countries. He's also represented the U.S. twice at the World Junior Hockey Championships. He now finds himself working with the China Hockey Group, coaching and helping develop our great game here in Hong Kong. Welcome to the show and welcome to the city, Mr. Rob Shrimp. How are you, Rob? Doing great, buddy. Thanks for the intro and thanks for having me on the podcast. Oh, I'm really excited to talk to you. And uh, I know a lot of people have been asking when this was going to happen because when a hockey guy, a former NHLer comes to Hong Kong, uh, it's it's big news for the hockey world. So so welcome. And I hope uh, I hope you've been off to a good start so far. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, my wife and I and my our daughter's here. So we're our family really enjoys it so far and having a really good time it was it's been it's been an interesting start though it, like yeah here august i think it was august 10th and within two weeks we get this level 10 typhoon oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, like seven days later we got the black rain it was like yeah. my wife and I were like we're like in the middle of this history right like this yeah, exactly is the worst typhoon in like 60 years and then the most mm-hmm. rain in like 140 years we we're like <laughs> yeah nuts. welcome to the city yeah, it was pretty intense, but it, it's been great outside of that. It's it's a really cool spot, and um, everybody's been very welcoming, and yeah. the China hockey group's been really supportive. So, uh, definitely appreciative of this, you know, launch so far and, and how it's been for the first month. Awesome, looking forward to it, man. We're gonna have a great year. Um, I'll obviously be uh, spending some time with you on the ice, and looking forward to seeing what you got. So let's get right into it, Rob. Um, you grew up in Fulton. Tell me a little bit about your family. And I was looking it up on the map. Fulton's not all that far from Canada. Uh, what was it like growing up in Fulton? Yeah, it's an interesting time in Fulton, New York. It, it's a small little town. It's like a factory town. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had like four major factories there. So there was that that kind of blue collar um, backdrop. And um, yeah, it was awesome, though. Sports were prevalent. You know, there's a lot of really good athletes in that area. So I got a chance growing up to play, you know, baseball, lacrosse. Uh, I wrestled for a quick minute until mm-hmm. we're still really close family friends with the, the LeVay family. Okay. Uh, Josh was a year old and he pinned me at like, I don't know, I was like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And he pinned me like he, I had no chance. Like this guy was so much more advanced. So that that actually, that pinning 
ran me right off the mat. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, retired. I had enough wrestling. At eight, so. but, uh, there was a lot of great athletes up there. And um, yeah. it was a really cool place. Robbie Williams was a kid that grew, uh, lived uh, two doors down from me. Mm-hmm. We spent, uh, I mean, you can't even count up the hours in his backyard, shooting lacrosse balls, playing basketball, street hockey, then the local game and the football in the street. So it was, it was a pretty cool backdrop, you know, place to grow up and learn different sports. And um, yeah. And, but also with like a rough, like a rougher, you know, backdrop to it, like the of spice to it. Yeah. So it, it was interesting. Yeah. It was, it was really cool to grow up there and brothers like, and sisters. I have a brother and two sisters, my brother's okay. Tyler, Jessica and Chelsea. So, okay. Yep. There are two Tyler and Chelsea are still there in Fulton, New York. And then Jessica lives out in Saskatchewan. So okay. she met a, a guy play, uh, that played with my brother and, and then the Southern pro league. So pretty cool story. And, you know, they hit it off and now they're together. So, uh, she lives in Regina, Saskatchewan. Awesome. So are you guys a big sports family, everyone? Yeah, pretty much. Jess, Jess and Chelsea played basketball and soccer. And then both yeah. Tyler and I played almost everything. So right. uh, Tyler was a really good lacrosse player and hockey player. Um, that's so, yeah, we, we had a lot of that. My cousins are a little bit older, which was cool. We had some role models in some sense. Jeff and Chris, mm-hmm. they're, they're like, I can't know exact age, but I think they're like 12 and 15 years older than my brother and I. So right. It's kind of that cool age when you're like four or five, right? Like they're in high school, you're watching high school hockey, high school, right. high school cross. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that kind of influences your, you know, your sort of your likes. And yeah, it was, it was a great place, actually. Awesome. And uh, I know what it's like growing up in a small town and it, your savior is sports. I mean, it's what you, keeps you going. Yeah. So oh, um, when did hockey first come on your radar? I mean, I started when I was younger, but again, my cousin Jeff and Chris played. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's really a lot of snow in the winter and it's wintertime. Mm-hmm. It's like you're either the basketball courts or you're playing hockey kind of thing. So that, that community center was really pivotal. And like you said, in a small town, like that's where everybody gets together. Right. Yeah. So no, it was cool. Yeah, it was great. So um, I played at I started at four with the skating and stuff. And then yeah. actually funny story. Like <laughs> I was going to quit hockey at eight years old and play mm-hmm. basketball which my dad was ecstatic about because he never played hockey. He was a basketball okay. guy. All right. And the day I was supposed to make my, tra- like go to basketball traps versus a hockey was on the same night. Robbie Williams was like, Hey, he had these shoulder pads that I wanted so bad. They're called flax. Yeah. I remember flax. <laughs> yeah. 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 Of course. They were sick. They were sick. And, uh, yeah. he- Hey, if you play hockey, I'll, I'll let you have these. And it, yeah. it should it be right around. Like I wanted those things so bad that I, <laughs> I was like, absolutely. My dad was devastated, but yeah. I think it worked out. Like I, you know, I've grown up into be a man now. I'm I'm five eleven with like an eighteen inch vertical jump. I don't think basketball. Gonna <laughs> I'll be see your thing. <laughs> It'd be like that's I'd great. I'd still be there if I played basketball. Well, it's good. It was good to figure that out at the age of eight. Uh, growing up where you were, I mean, you're in New York, but you're so close to other major cities and hockey towns was, did you have a favorite team or who did you follow as a kid? Yeah. I love the, I mean, I was obsessed with the Rangers. Okay. Mike Richter, Mark Messier. Yeah. I rocked their like starter, um, jacket that had like the pouch in the front, you know? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I rocked that. <laughs> and then of course uh, you did. I had That's the great. Rangers goalie home. I love Mike Richter. He was so, he was so acrobatic and like just yeah. different flexible and making sick glove saves um, yeah and then mark messi is like down the right wing snapshot well, i was obsessed with those two things 
Right on. So you were you're obviously a pretty good player as a kid and, you know, 10, 11 years old. And and then I'll, I'll, I think, you know, I did my research and it seems like you got your biggest break uh, at the Quebec Pee Wee tournament. I mean, it's one of a kind. I, I assume it's the biggest in the world of its kind, usually around 120 teams. Um, I believe that's when your your career got got its kickstart. And what do you remember most about that event? And how difficult was it for you being compared to some of the greatest players to ever don skates at that time? Because the hype around you was really it was a lot. And I'm sure uh, I'd love to hear how that made you feel. Yeah, it was nuts. It really did get nuts. It went from like it's crazy. I learned like the biggest blessing that ever happened to me. And I believe it truly is uh, the rink got bought by Don Kernan. The local rink I you know bought it from the city yeah as a owner and he came in and um his son was donnie ran the rink and he drove the zamboni and one day my dad heard him like heard this like shooting going out on the ice like these sounds were like popping right and he looks out and this guy's ripping him he's like i you got to teach my sons right so this guy taught me how to shoot mm-hmm. at 10 years old i started going to him and then my 11 year old year i scored like 350 goals in <laughs> 86 birth year triple a i played for the syracuse what was it syracuse wow. crunch yeah. or something that yeah, was a new whole new thing uh triple a and they found me at the fulton rink and they came and asked me to play and i went and i honestly taking donnie shooting i learned like i was shooting at 11 or 12 i was scoring on 20 year old junior a goals wow. don curry wow. used to out all the time and, and like when i'd get out there the goalie would be like why am i look at this why do you have a kid out here right and then yeah 10 seconds later, they were like, shoot, <laughs> bar down, bar in. Yeah. Like I got against really quick. Yeah. I give a lot of credit to Donnie. That's the point of the story. But, um, yeah. And that's that, and that, then I got on the map after that season. Um, I, you know, it kind of went like, it got really like, uh, it, it accelerated pretty fast. Like 12 yeah. years old, a movie with Wayne Gretzky, um, through Tim Conley. Like they had me come out there. This, uh, Wayne Gretzky's trained to win. So got introduced yeah. to Wayne and then like img um you know as an agency so that's got to meet them i met like you know i had dinner with bobby Orr. Um, oh my yeah they and it came out of nowhere like we were playing like travel hockey in fulton yeah it was never like i'm gonna go to the show i didn't even think about it i just like the fall came and then you got your hockey crap on that's how i saw yeah. hockey. <laughs> right that's and, crazy man i mean yeah keep going sorry no that's yeah that's kind of the backdrop and it just yeah, it was wild. I mean, they wrote an article, something like compared me to Lafleur, Lemieux, and Gretzky. I was like, yeah, cool. You know, I didn't really yeah. I was cool, like driven and focused. Like that was like whatever. But it was wild. Like <laughs> my dad, we were returning to Quebec, and my dad's like, you know, he's a pure hockey dad. He's amazing. Like yeah. just there to watch, right? And you know, at the mm-hmm. Quebec tournament, like he wanted to hang out with the dads and have a couple of pops, and like, but they had the cameras like focused on him and like our family. Yeah. It was a lot of like weird right. attention. No? right yeah so what was what was that like for you like just being around your buddies and like people are wanting to talk to you like did that throw you off or were you at all prepared for it yeah it was bizarre to me but yeah wasn't unaware of it it was just kind of weird yeah um, yeah it just seems like yeah it's weird it is weird <laughs> anyway yeah, i can imagine just try to jump on because you you know you're playing the sport and you like advanced at it um but not all are ill intent. You know, there's a lot of great people that come in your way too. You attract a lot of things. So it's um, so a lot of positive and there's some negative, but right. But it, it is a little bit weird. Yeah. I'm sure you had a lot of options at, you know, when you were 13, 14, 15, like you're starting to 
get a few choices. What am I going to do here? Where am I going to play hockey? What, how, what made you decide to go to Canada? I was playing tier two junior eight when I turned 14. And like I played at 13, I played band of majors. So it was like two years out and we went to nationals. I, you know, played really well. Like I was at a level where I started dominating those games. Yeah. Uh, so then the natural progression, the next year was like the junior eight, Don Kernan on that junior eight team. So, um, I was ready for it at 12. He was going to bring me to the NHL. He wanted to bring me into a game. Right. But that was too young. Yeah. yeah I mean, I so I went to practice and it was, I was way over my head. And was that something like a family decision or like something that you had to come up with on your own to go to decide to go to, to Canada to play? Well, yeah, that, so at 14, I play, I got to play right at home because yeah. Don Tina played in the Ontario provincial. So I got to stay there for two years and, in that time I got, you know, I made the U S national development team program. Okay. Uh, they, and I said no to those things because I had a resource at home. I mean, the, the Ontario provincial league is, is a very good league. It was a very mm -hmm. good league back then. It was, yeah. You're playing against men. It's physical. It was physical. I don't know how it is now, but it was yeah. really physical and it, it, you grow up, your game develops in that you grow up quick, right? Like you mm -hmm. really get a set, like you do a hot dog, celebration in the Ontario Provincial and you're going to get like a stick broken. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. grow up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it was a re great resource is the point. And I didn't yeah. need to leave home. Like it yeah. just, I got to play 25 plus minutes a game, hmm. 14 years old, playing against 19, 20 year olds, um, mm -hmm. playing with 19, 20 year olds and playing with my brother. But I had that resource right there. It was great. It was That's awesome. Yeah. Really lucky to be able to stay home, I guess. Um, so you get drafted first overall in the OHL. Um, you had an incredible rookie season in Mississauga with the Ice Dogs. You basically won every rookie award you could win. Uh, and it was early in your second season that you got moved to the storied franchise, the London Knights. How did that come about, first of all? And what was it like being traded for the first time? Uh, it was it was really wild. It was it was tough, to be totally honest with you. It was really tough. There was a lot of distraction. Um the organization had sold over the summer. Mm. So it was all new people coming in and, you know, I don't want, I don't really want to dive deep into it. Just give you mm -hmm. the boundary perspective and just kind of, you know, categorize it. But like, I, yeah. I, we felt really, really disrespected as a family mm -hmm. and then me as an individual, the way that we were treated. And that's all it okay. got to a point where you're like, okay, like guys, it's my draft year. I, I'm not dealing, I'm not going to have these arguments. What are we talking about? Right. And, I said, okay, that we're not going to come to an agreement. And then we just show like, Hey, I'm out of here. I don't need the distraction. Like this is stupid. Uh, that's unfortunate. So that's how it got for me. And that's why I said, trade me by Friday or I, I, I'm leaving. Okay. And I, and I got to Friday. I scored goal and two assists against Guelph. I played yeah. really good. And we went off after the game and the team went to the left and I had to go to the right with my agent because they didn't meet, meet the deadline. Wow. wow. So it was weird. Like I, that's the worst thing. It sucks, but that's like, yeah. You think in big picture to put a lot into it to get there for draft year. And yeah. the gate, these guys are talking about stupid stuff, like things that would make it so my parents couldn't get to, like, they couldn't afford to get to the games. Like we had right. something that were maybe they were extra outside, even if they were off the book, whatever. Yeah. It wasn't being abused. Like we weren't getting yeah. cars. Houses, man. It was like literally, yeah. So they get to the games, they used every yeah. gap dollar in every hotel room. So, right. Without it, we couldn't do that. And that's how I felt comfortable. My dad was in every game. My mom and dad were always there. So why would they, why right. would you say this? This is not a request of like, give me a Rolls Royce. Right. <laughs> you want my parents at the game. I want my parents. At the game. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. 
Well, that's so the I, thing, man. Like, that's why I'm glad you explained that because it's so much of that stuff happens in junior hockey. And, you know, sometimes you don't always get treated the best and yeah. you're not always at the top of the priority list of that general manager and stuff like that. So pretty crazy. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously it was their loss, but you ended up with the Knights who were pretty loaded at the time. Um, three long playoff runs. Um, yeah. in a, you, you won an OHL title there, a Mem Cup. Why were those teams so successful, and who were you playing with at the time? It was uh, it was it was amazing. Um, the chemistry we had there, the group of guys really just got it. Like yeah. really, like everybody got it. We, it, you know, Dale Hunter's a great coach. He's won, mm-hmm. I think, well over eight hundred games now in the OHL. He's very smart when it comes to bench strategy and, and tactics. He's really smart. So he gives a great framework there for the players to kind of work inside of. And then with those groups, we just had, we had a bunch of dogs, you know what I mean? Like the guys were like, they were wanting to win. Yeah. The first year there, we lost the Guelph game seven in the mm-hmm. uh, Western conference finals. And that was like probably the best thing that ever happened to be honest with you. Cause the next year we came in and we're like, everybody, we didn't talk over the, we didn't really, cell phones were really that big back then. There's no group right. chat. You know, yeah, yeah. Everybody was off doing their own summer, but everybody came to back. You could just feel it. Everybody had this mentality of like, that's not going to happen again. Nah, and we that's special, like gangbusters. We had, we went 31 games undefeated out of the gate. Right. Wow. So you that's incredible. Say, like, you know what I mean? You see how that snowballed really good. Yep. Well, something you said there, and, and this is something a cliche that you hear all the time, especially in pro teams. Every time a team wins a championship, it's we're such a family in there. We're such a special group. It's a special locker room. It's a great group of guys. Have you ever seen or been around a pro team that wasn't like that? Like it just seems to me like it's, it's you know obvious. It's yeah, but it's you know it's different personalities from all over the world and different backdrop. Yeah. It's not just because everybody's really talented. It doesn't mean that doesn't cash into personalities linking mm-hmm. up you know so it's just it, it's just that it's just personalities you think and just luck of the job when you get a group of guys that all kind of have yeah yeah 100 wow. because there's another part of it right like you're you're you know players are getting picked now by by stats right by analytics yeah. and numbers so they fit a certain piece right to the puzzle mm-hmm. if you're talking about hockey like you have to have some sense and some pulse on that of like character and mm-hmm. how they get along with people but the majority you're looking at like 27 goals, plays 11 minutes plus whatever, that piece gets put in there, right? And then yeah. it's not guaranteed that you're gonna all like each other. It's just yeah, it's nature, it's natural that way. But so yeah. sometimes it's not. For our group, I would say it wasn't, you know, in London, it wasn't like a I wouldn't say it was like a family backdrop. It's just that we all got it. Like we all the it worked. Okay. But it wasn't like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, my brothers and this stuff like that. It was like yeah. we all you know, we all had the kind of same interests and stuff, but it was when we showed up to the rink, we all got it. And everybody was a, a dog. I'm sure it was really special to be a part of that. I mean, those three years were pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, so at that time, who would you say you were looking up to the most like as for guidance or who were your mentors at the time helping you like navigate through this world of junior hockey? I didn't really have one, which is probably the biggest thing if i could go back i wish i had okay sure i got i found a guy later on at 23 brad wheeler's his name he's like a absolute guru of hockey Mm -hmm. brilliant um and i got with him and that was it was great it was great to have that 
pulse to, you know, someone else has the pulse on your stuff and what's going on. And when they say something, it's like bang on. Yeah. Cause you get a lot of advice. You get advice all over the time. Right? Of course. Yeah. 99% of it. You're like, yeah. Buddy, that doesn't play that way. You just, you know, so yeah. wheels was great. And uh, yeah, that was, I didn't, it was kind of blind, buddy. I was just going out there and trying yeah. to play. Tear just a supportive, a supportive family and, and a will to play. Pretty much. Yeah. That's really cool, man. Um, so uh 2004 or sorry before i get to that you absolutely tore up the ohl um incredible numbers like i said you can, you guys can go online you can check out his hockey db and you'll see all the awards and accolades take me all night to go through them but um when you were there what at that time what did what do you think your biggest strengths and weaknesses were as a player and have they changed and had they changed throughout your career like did they flip flop or how did that go for you um yeah i think biggest strengths would was definitely really creative with offense um that way i could see the game pretty well and make plays and kind of had the pulse on the patterns of the game uh but weakness would be uh defensively i, I wasn't great i wasn't like a defensive specialist mm -hmm. it's kind of weird i got tagged with that and it's not something i, I take lightly yeah uh, I, I just saw ways of like trying to close players out and, and like angle and sometimes doubling up and at the right time you can you know trap somebody that's like yeah. kind of aggressive defensively yeah uh, which worked you know in some places like Shleftia, where they want that they want everything you know doubled mm -hmm. up and, uh center helping all over the place but some places it didn't work and it backfired on me but it was never you know like lazy or cherry picking i couldn't cherry pick i was a center so yeah <laughs> you, can't, you can't cherry pick as a center yeah a and over the there i think that was my issue but um, yeah and over the course of your career, did you like try to write that ship or become a better defensive player? And or like did that change or would it still throughout your whole career you always were strong offensively, great shot? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of stayed. It's like my because I see the game a certain way. So it's my yeah. it's my natural instinct and it's so hard to change it. And it's just it's not right. Yeah. But my natural instinct is that it's like competitive and at any moment I'm just gonna jump, I'm gonna jump you and try to take the whether we're playing yeah. golf or whether we're playing basketball or hot, whatever it is, I have the same mentality. It's like competitive. Yeah. I don't know. I could never turn that off. I just always saw the angle to jump on a player, but it didn't it didn't change. Well, it certainly worked for you, man. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. You yeah. get to listen, like when when and where to, to jump or when yeah. when and where to be more aggressive, what you're giving up, right? The risk and reward value. But yeah. it's, your instincts don't change. When we're not talking about hockey on Across the Pond, we're usually listening to music. And after the number of hours our headphones spend on our sweaty ear holes, they usually need a little bit of TLC. Luckily, our buddy Brandon from Accessory House Global is there to help. If you're in need of replacement cables, ear pads, or heck, even a brand new carrying case, this is the one-stop shop you need to visit. Check them out on Instagram at TheRealAHG or visit their website at AccessoryHouseGlobal.com. You can even get a 20% discount on your first purchase by typing in ATP20. Tell them across the pond sent ya. So 2004 comes, you hear your name called in the, in the, in the draft by the Edmonton Oilers in the first round. Where were you when it happened? And uh, how can you describe that moment? Uh, it was down in North Carolina. It was in Raleigh was the yep. draft. And it actually had uh, 125 people at the draft. Wow. Friends and family. Yeah. yeah. We had like a whole section. So it was, it was That's pretty awesome. intense. 
yeah, it was it was cool. So um, yeah, I was sitting there in the stands and waiting for that to happen, and it was it was mm-hmm. wild. When I got picked, everybody was excited and a lot of people. So it was cool. Did you have any idea where you were going? No, I was. It was a weird year too because I was ranked like top five in the draft. Yeah, and then I had a weird year with stuff going on. So asking for that trade didn't help me. It was like threw up a lot of red flags. So yeah, <laughs> it backfired to do the to do that. But it was what it was. Principles are principles. Um, yeah. So I didn't know top ten, and like I had a bunch of meetings. I met with everybody at the combine when you're ranked top. I think it's if you're ranked in the top. I want to say. Uh, 60 they do a combine they invite all 60 players to come in meet all the yeah. team interview and stuff like that so um yeah so that the, those meetings there's a lot of guys like we're picking 15th you're not going to even be here that kind mm-hmm. of talk i didn't yeah. know and i wound up going 25 right pretty awesome experience i'm sure man um did you did you have did you have a, like were you hoping you went somewhere or did you even care at all not really, to be honest with you. It's yeah. just more, I kind of want to go higher. Yeah. Like just told you, like, I'm pretty competitive. So, yeah. It's just about compete, you know? And I thought I was a good player. So, um, yeah, it was, it didn't have, you just don't know. Like, you're sitting there and it takes a while, right? And mm-hmm. Yeah. Those meetings, there was, there was like four or five and they were like, you're not going to be in our pick. And then they were picking, they didn't pick. So, I didn't right. get picked. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a it was an emotional roller coaster. Uh, I can't even imagine, man. I can't yeah. even imagine. Um, what was the speaking of emotional roller coasters? What was it like walking into your first NHL training camp? So intimidating. Those guys yeah. are monsters. Like, yeah, you do the fitness testing. You got like Ethan Morrill cleaning like three eighty, whatever it was, three fifty. Yeah, I got a eighty five on the bar, man, and I'm like, <laughs> I get under this thing. Like, this guy's ripping them, like sets of eight i'm like you know what i mean yeah. it's, you're, it's a whole that, new world like, that's how it was you know you go into you do your body composition all that crap you everybody's got their jerseys off tarps off so it's like you just mm-hmm. monsters but then when you get on the ice it's the same shape yeah it's when it went away i was like no 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 i i'm on the shape when i'm on the shape i see it better than i see it different than that so right. it doesn't matter if they have tree trunk quads that, yeah like my brain is what'll get me around the ice awesome and that's the attitude you need um so you went into that camp. You ended up signing an entry level deal, uh, an entry level deal. Sorry, uh, three year deal. Um, played most of those three years in the AHL, almost three full seasons. A few cups of coffee in Edmonton. Um, you were putting up good numbers in the AHL in Wilkes-Barre and, and Springfield at the time. How were you feeling? Were you getting frustrated over those three seasons uh, with the opportunity, with not getting an opportunity with the Oilers? And at the time, did you feel like you were ready to jump up there at that level? Yeah, it was tough. It was really tough. I uh, played like seven games over three years. So it was a, yeah. little, you know, a lot of like dark, um, being in the dark, not knowing what's going on. Like, mm-hmm. how does this actually work? I thought I would be playing more games. Right. Usually it's a season, the first round draft, but you play like half a year your first year, half yeah. in the minors. Yeah. And then you full time and then whatever. And I said yeah. a different year. So it was tricky. <clears throat> that's for sure. Cause it's, that's your dream. So, it was hard, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, I'm sure it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, did you feel like at that time you could have went and played, like, in your yeah, mind? I mean, I'm not not talking about the hype around you or what people are telling you. Like, internally, how did you feel? Like, I can play in the NHL right now. My first camp, I was I was sitting that, that pretty much natural to my game. Like, was on the power play. I was, I was doing really well in the NHL. Yeah. Pre- 
So I'm like, that's, that's your bread and butter, right? Like I, I in a five on five, no, I was, I was not, I would say I, I wasn't ready. I'd be somewhat of a liability, but not mm-hmm. like impossible. Right. Right. I would have had to learn my stuff. I would have learned, you know, the when to go, when not to go kind of thing. But on the power play, like that's, it's weird. It's it's funny because when you're in the power play, when you create for the power play, it does trickle over your five on five, right? Like you mm-hmm. get the power play, you go out there and feel the puck and you get to kind of dominate and dictate. Yeah. Five on five, it's like, you know, that was a Western Conference too. I think of how big that is. Everybody was playing dump and run each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm not a dump and runner. Um, yeah. So it was, it was tricky, right? So, but I felt like I was ready and I, in those camps, I, 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 was, I thought I played well. So yeah. I was confident that I could be there. For sure. Yeah. Um, so you spent three seasons in that organization and uh, then claimed off waivers by the Islanders. And quick shout out to our Islanders fans here in Hong Kong, who, who Rob, you're going to get to know real well over the course of this season. Uh, Terry Whale and Jeff Wall and uh, and Greg Flynn, big Islanders guys. Um, and they... Sorry to cut you off, but you should have seen Wally buzzing down the wing last night. Oh, he's a goal scorer. He just goes he's to the far of the net and he buries. He's rocking this half <laughs> that goes down to like his basically his bottom lip, maybe even his yeah. Got to protect that he, face. He, yeah, he's like a it's a curveball. You don't expect it. The guy turns on the turbos and then he just absolutely snipes. He'll score. He's going to score two or three goals a game on average. That's what he does. Oh yeah, he's undercover, man. We got to report on him already. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Uh, so they claimed you off waivers. Um, this team, like I just went back to look at the lineup. You played like 90 games around in over two seasons. Yeah. Again, putting up decent numbers. Um, what was your role on that team? And uh, at that time, like we're going to take a look at the – you tell me about your role, and then we'll talk about this lineup a little bit. Yeah. I my, I didn't have one, to be honest. When I first got there, I had to wait. I got picked up yeah. a waiver. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, trying to make the long story short, but I, you know, the first five games I played, you know, left wing and fourth line didn't play much, like four or five minutes. Yeah. And left wing, not my position at all. So it was kind of tricky. But uh, so after that, I had, they told me, like, you're going to have to wait till someone gets hurt or, you know, someone yeah. plays about a lineup, which turned out to be like, you know, it was like 20 games. I sat in the healthy scratch until like December. So right. I, I didn't have a role and I was just waiting to get in. And then I got in and started to do pretty good. And started yeah. to get points and I started, you know, I got thrown right into the shootout, which is I kind of become known for a little bit. And I'd be honest, yeah. I, dude, I didn't have I was like a playmaking centerman. I never got breakaways. Right. Ever. I'm the centerman. How would I have breakaways? I would have to be yeah. cherry picked to get breakaways, right? Right. Yeah. So I never got breakaways. And then all of a sudden I got chucked into the shootouts just because I had good hands and they, the coach mm-hmm. was like, I but I when I first got into him, I was I was nervous as hell. I had no idea what I was gonna do. I was like, Shh, I don't know. Yeah. So what's it like? Like you're you're obviously like you're a top six guy. Um, you're a top line guy everywhere else you've been. And when you, you get put it down in a role where you're not comfortable, you know, how like are you just waiting? Do, do you think a guy like you or, or people with your skill set, like, is it hard to play in the bottom six because you're not ever able to do what you do? No, it was I mean the first year was great. I had Blake Como. Yeah. I'm on John Sim a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, um, I, you know, we figured it out. Like it, wheels or uh, wheels. Combs was a shooter, so yeah, I mapped out my chart to like during the game. I would find ways to find him to get him open, and it was great. We were a great like secondary scoring, almost third. Yeah, uh, how do you say? Like you know, we were the third line, 
Yeah. Um, and we were, we were clicking at a goal a game, like on the, between the lines. So we were a point of game for the time we were together, which is huge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, John Sim, good Nova Scotia boy as well. Yes, sir. Yeah, this kid's in London. <laughs> no, he plays in London now. Yeah. Um, I'm looking. Yeah, that's right, Landon. Uh, I'm looking at the lineup. You had a 19-year-old John Tavares led the team with 54 points that year. Kyle Pozo, Mark Streit, Matt Molson, Franz Nielsen, Blake Como, like you said, uh, Josh Bailey, yourself, John Sim. And then I get all the way down to Dougie Waite. Was Dougie the captain? Yeah, yeah, Dougie was the captain. He was awesome. He was you got to tell me something about Doug Waite because I I loved that guy. No, yeah, he was he was just a legend. He was he was unbelievable. Yeah. He'd been around for a long time. He'd done a lot of great things in the game. So yeah, I was obviously on the back nine of his career. Yeah, uh, but he was still sick, man. The things he could do in practice, and the, you know when he when he's feeling good, you can tell when he was feeling good. Like it was sick. Mm-hmm. Still, he's an older guy at his age. He was man. He was sick. He was like great a player. Absolutely, like uh, what's the right word? He was like a master of his craft. You know, his stick was yeah. something like kind of like narrow. Like he did some, you know, but it was all calculated. Like the way mm-hmm. he, everything he did was calculated, really smart. So uh, Dougie yeah. Wade was awesome. I really enjoyed my time with him and being around him and family. I'm sure. Yeah. So you had a that those two years in in New York um, led you to a brief stint in Atlanta with the Thrashers as well um what was your time like there it was a short stint but what what can you tell us about atlanta yeah it was true yeah it was good i mean i went down there and it was first it was it was great there was a lot of good guys down there bufflin andrew ladd okay uh blake wheeler who i knew <clears throat> same mm-hmm. draft here um team usa stuff yeah so it was a great group of guys it was awesome and then you know it's the same thing there i had to fight for my spot when i got there i got pegged right in there like the third fourth line and then kind of Got into a spot where I was playing with uh, Kaner and um, Vander Kane and Antropov. We were really, we were like, oh, every wow. game. unfortunately, Antropov monster. He was nasty and he was so smart. Yeah, man. yeah. He was fun to play with because he he drew so much attention coming out of the corner. You think mm-hmm. about it; it's like a battleship coming into the middle. Like he's a he's, big man. One man's not enough to cover. Him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you play off that double coverage, right? And he was yeah. silky puck. Um, so we, but just unfortunately, we, it wasn't going in, man. We were hitting posts. We had to, every game we were, we were really good. It just didn't, it didn't, you know, that's the thing. It didn't translate to points. So, it, it, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, so I, I thought I was going to be there for a while too. Like Rick Dudley was a, I met him when I was 16 in Mississauga mm-hmm. and he was a fan of me uh, my whole career. And I finally got to where he was and he could look after me and mm-hmm. not just to give me a job, but also he's a great mentor. He's a great guy. So uh, we're there and then, the season ended, got home, and got a text in June out of nowhere from Andrew Ladd, group chat, a group chat. They boys pack your, he said, boy, I think it's something like, boys pack your parkas, we're going to Winnipeg. And I was like, oh. what does that mean? I didn't even know. I was there, I got there in January, right? I didn't yeah. hear one word of sale or move relocation, not a word. Right. Wow. Maybe it was happening. I forgot. Maybe- I forgot that was the same year. That's, yeah. Maybe I didn't hear it wasn't privy or maybe nobody knew. But then you get that text. And my first thought was like, oh, crap, like they're likely to change management. Yeah. When they sell a team, like they bring their own stuff. Right. Yeah. And sure enough, they made the announcement. And then like three weeks later, they let everybody go as new management. And then the new management came in and they asked me right away, like we want, you know, my agent or whatever that we Rob, we want Rob on a two-way contract, and I was like, "That I know exactly what that means." Yeah. Starting the mind, yeah. Climb back up. But 
so that's how it went. And I made that, that's when I made a decision to go to Europe. I, I wasn't going to do the climb because of my time, those three years in the minors, Josh Grant said it to me. Perfect. Like the one year is absolutely not necessary. Two yeah. years is great. You get refined, but the third year you rot. Right. So you go backward. I did. Do you see my numbers? Yeah. Um, you need, you need time up because when you go up, your game comes up when you stay stagnant at that one level of the HL, which is, mm-hmm. it's a weird thing in itself. Everybody's out for chasing the dream of the NHL. It's, it's a totally different brand of hockey. Yeah. Um, three years in it, you start to lose your, yeah, your edge. The, how would you describe the brand of hockey? Like what makes it so different? It's the jungle a little bit, you know, like the left yeah. wingers must be on the left side, like in the NHL, it's why it's, I wouldn't say it's so easy, but it kind of is. Yeah. yeah. Everybody plays their position. They're always in in their position, and they're also really good in their space. Yeah, you know, you get in the AHL, and it's like the left wing's supposed to be over there, and he's buzzing around over on the right side. You're like, okay, yeah. And on the flip side of it, someone could be doing the same exact thing, trying to find a hit. Right. You're going with the puck, and nobody should be coming from this blind spot. And here comes Chucky. <laughs> he's coming to blast you. <laughs> you, know, yeah. like, you don't know where it's come from. You just got to be yeah. all aware. And uh, at that time, like, uh, at, is, is the AHL more of a young man's league now? Or is there still, like, is there still a group of older veterans that are, you know, that battle it out for 10, 15 years in the AHL? Or how no, is it now? Totally flipped, yeah, it's yeah. Totally, it's, uh, they have five five veteran rule. Okay. So you get five in the, in the lineup. You can have 10, mm-hmm. but, like, to think about that financially, it makes no sense on a business scale. Like, why would we pay five people right. that can or 10 people, we, we can only play five. So right. it's five veterans. And that's like something along the lines of if you played 320, I want to say 320 professional games, you're considered a veteran. Okay. So that's four gotcha. years. Yeah. On an 80, 160, that's yeah, three, yeah. 320. Right that's on. four seasons. You're a veteran. So you got to either solidify one of those five spots or you mm-hmm. got to find employment somewhere else or make it up. Right. To, um, so that that tells you kind of exactly what the league is, right? So the it's thought your, of that, the thought of that just for you was just wasn't appealing. And you're like, I'm going to look elsewhere. And the way I felt that last year in the minors, I, I again, I would never want to feel that way again. Right. Makes um, sense. I didn't. I didn't. I, I made I was so adamant about it that I went to Sweden. <laughs> right. Winnipeg wasn't fired up. You had to go to Sweden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you ended up in Sweden and and you, you had a few years uh, bouncing around at different leagues. You played in, like I said, I think it was seven different countries. If I counted them, some of the flags are pretty similar. Um, couple couple uh, contracts in the KHL. That's where I first want to start. What was your experience like in the KHL? Because, you know, we hear so many horror stories and like craziness that, that happens. What was your time like there? Yeah, it was quick. Yeah, uh, very quick. So it wasn't great. I'll just say that. Um, but it's also tricky too. I, I I walk a fine line because I, I've actually, you know, everything happens for a reason and it is, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you learn from every experience. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, you know, I'm married to a Latvian girl and I okay. live there, um, but it wasn't a great experience. So I'll just leave it at that. It wasn't, yeah, right. it was four months and I yeah, didn't get a chance. I, I just say, in my opinion, that's, you know, it sounds like a crybaby thing to say, but it's just a try to get a chance. So, right. So out of all those leagues, I mean, the Swiss league, the Dallas, um, Switzerland, where, which one of those, first of all, was the toughest grind? Like, 
we hear stories about the old East Coast League or things like that. Where it's just a grind. It's just you're constantly on the road and buses and whatever. What was which one of those leagues was was really tough to play in? None of them. They're, it's None amazing. of them. Yeah. Schedule great. Um, as an athlete, you're treated much more like a human being. Right. You if you're sick, you don't play. Like it's you know yeah. in North America, like if you're not at 104, then if you get out, if you sit out, then someone takes your spot. It's right. so like next up kind of thing. Where in Europe mm -hmm. it was more like. So I remember the first year, I, I think it was Nicky Danielson. He was one of our leading scorers. He wasn't around for a few, three, four days, and I'm like, "Hey, where's Nicky?" And the guy, the trainer in broken English, I was like, "Oh, he has he has blood blood infection." I was like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "Yeah, okay." Like, what do you mean? That sounds terrible to me. Blood infection. Yeah. And I'm like, hospital. And he's like, "No, no, he's got like." <sighs> I'm like, he's got a cold. He's like, yeah. <laughs> So he missed like effects. four or five days with the cold. Yeah, he was like, dying. I couldn't do that. And you no way in North America you'd get a, you know what no, I mean? That's not going to oh, fly. Yeah, it's more like that. The travel, the scheduling is great. Um, yeah. You know, Germany, you kind of bust around, whatever. It's like four or five hour bus rides. But it, right. yeah, honestly, at that stage in my career and for me personally, it's it, that was fun. That brought you back to like junior days. You know, it's four or five hour bus rides, boys yeah. just being boys, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of fun. So it's, in, you know, anything over five is kind of, now you're talking like that's a, that is grind. Cause it's, that's a track. The bus sucks. <laughs> yeah. Always you're like scrunched up. There's no way to get comfortable unless you put, you know, maybe something on the ground to sleep, but like, you got to think about it. It's 22 or 23 men. Mm -hmm. The floor is not clean. No, definitely not. <laughs> you know don't take your, don't definitely don't take your shoes off. No, no, no. <laughs> over. So it's, but did you have a did you have a favorite place to play over there? One of those leagues that was just you know for one reason or another just appealed to you more than the others. Uh, I thought I mean Switzerland was amazing. It was beautiful. Yeah. Like, it's you yeah. know, the rides are like the most scenic thing you've ever seen in your life. The yeah. mountains are beautiful. You got Lake Como. Like there's all this cool stuff you're driving by. It's like, and I don't know. Yeah, yeah. it's so interesting. Even here, like I take the ferry every day. Yeah, me too. I love that ride. Like watching that seeing the mountains on the way back to DV, like, yeah, it doesn't get old to me. And I've seen, you know, Swiss mountains. Like I've never been in, seen mountains before. It's just, it's a scenic view. It's beautiful. It's like peaceful every time you see it. Yeah, no, it's a nice ride, man. And it, the city's always there. It's 25 minutes away. Yeah, exactly. The ferry's always on time. Unless it's a T10. <laughs> if it's T10, it's the only time they shut down. Wheel Hub Asia is committed to building community and bringing accessibility to inline hockey players in Southeast Asia. They've just started a new program called Three Inline, which is Hong Kong's first three-on-three inline hockey league. Wheel Hub Asia stands for professionalism and collaboration. For inline hockey players, by inline hockey players. For all your inline hockey needs, head to their website at wheelhubasia.com. So you, you battled it out. You had a fantastic career, uh, Rob. I mean, just incredible stuff. A long career. Anytime, just hats off to you for such a, a, a great career. And when you decided to hang them up, I mean, some guys really struggle with it. Some guys, it comes a little easier. What was your process like? Yeah, it was tr it was tricky. Definitely not the way I imagined it, uh, to be honest yeah. with you. It's kind of it was very sudden mm -hmm. um kind of felt cornered into that decision but it's a different story it's yeah, yeah it's tough 
so it was time, you know, I had a couple of concussions in my last year and six month, you know, three month old daughter at the time, you know, I decided there was a couple of factors, but I decided to walk away. Um, mm-hmm. and it, was, it was tough. It's you go from having a schedule every day and having purpose to not like flat and having right. nobody, you mm-hmm. know, no schedule, no 20 people in the morning to say, I do it's, it goes, it, it happens pretty abruptly. And that's, I don't think you're ever ready for that. Right. Yeah. I don't imagine you could be. Um, but it seems like you were ready to coach and get back into the game after a couple of years and 2021 came around and you started your career as a scout and as a coach. And was that something you kind of had in the back of your mind or was that just a way, uh, that's something you came up with after retirement to stay in the game? Um, no, I, I walked, I went away from the game for like, a, excuse me, about a year and a half and just needed a break. And then, you know, it got to the point where I was, you know, the passion you know, never left kind of thing. And yeah, watching the games all the time and, and watching and keeping the pulse to it and um, skating more and more. Then I came back to it and I just, yeah, was, I mean, I hockey's in my blood and it's, mm-hmm. that's my resource. And that's also my knowledge and my expertise. So uh, I think emotionally, I just needed a minute to walk away and just get away from it for a second. And that, that mm-hmm. was a good break to take a year and a half off and just do other things and learn other things. It's really important too. It's it's just kind of building that up, like as an athlete, and for me personally, I can't speak for everybody. Some guys do go the university route, but like, yeah, hockey is your everything. You know, what I mean, it's what we know. Yeah, like I was struggling with emails when I retired. I know it's probably not good for me to say that out loud, but it's the truth. Like <laughs> if, for fifteen years, yeah, I never used email. Like people call or text me, my agent, my parents, my significant other. Yeah, like their circle is pretty small and. You're, again, your hockey is like you're living, so you focus all on that. But anyways, it's uh, yeah, it was good to get away and learn some things and, yeah. you know, get my feet wet in some sense of the business world and what it takes about, you know, that kind of things, um, which was good. But then I came back and, yeah, coaching, I, I really love I love teaching. I love giving players mm-hmm. things that they can use. And, um, yeah, the whole process of that is fun watching the – uh it's very gratifying to watch the growth of a player that's you know my work with some nhl guys which is pretty cool um they get it really quick that's gratifying but it's also super gratifying to get like you know like a seven or eight year old you give them something and like 20 minutes later they're going like see him do it you know what i mean it's it's so cool well not just not just helping a, a, a certain player you helped an entire country by the sounds of it um latvia is not doing too bad on the world stage right now Yes. Yeah. They 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 came to play with the world championships. They were, it was awesome. That's right. Yeah. But, unreal to see. Yeah. I was there in person and watched a bunch of games, saw a bunch of guys mm-hmm. and stuff. It was, it was awesome. But the city came to life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They had a parade of like 150,000 people a couple of days after the third, third of uh, the bronze medal game. So it was, it was pretty cool to be a part of. It was yeah. good to see that too for the country. Like it's small country mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Soviet, um, you know, post-Soviet occupation um they need wins like that to get them you know make them believe right so it's, yeah. it's powerful what that bronze medal actually means to that country it's it's huge it's and huge absolutely air value because for a long time everything started with no and you can't and now it's something along the lines of like well maybe we can't you know what I mean? that's where that really goes mm-hmm. it's a thing that they won that third place um, it's huge it's huge so it's pretty cool. And I was happy for the country. Unfortunately, they scored on the USA. I didn't know how to feel. But I will say Scott Gordon, he was, co- he was coaching yeah. on the USA team. He was my coach in the Islanders. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. And Quinny was the coach of my World Juniors team, one of the coaches. So 
Right. It was, it was an interesting like uh, conflict to watch that game. You want bad for my wife's country, but it's USA. Hey. My old coaches <laughs> like, how do I do this? I got to fig- figure this one out. Pretty cool to see, though, man. You you were there and you were part of it, and uh, must have been a really cool experience. And and now you're here in Hong Kong, so you know you got big shoes to fill now that uh, you had such great success in Latvia. Um, but no, <laughs> no ser- on, on a yeah, on a serious note, though, um, Hong Kong, you know, we need all the help we can get in the hockey world here, and it's a sport that's growing quickly. Um, how did this happen? How did you get this opportunity? And and uh, how excited are you about being here and helping build hockey in a place where you never thought you'd ever be? Yeah, no, it's it's um, a really interesting story. It's just, you know, it's kind of like six degrees of separation. Mm-hmm. A, friend, a friend talked to me and, and met him, you know, probably two years ago. Every couple of months, he'd send me a note just checking in, saying hi, tell him, let me know what his projects were with ice rinks and stuff. And then Last March, he messaged and said, "Hey, they're, you're looking for a hockey to, uh, hockey operations guy here in Hong Kong. Would you take the call?" And I said, "Absolutely." So I took the call and met with uh, Greg Smith and flew out here in March. And I thought, "This is, you know, honestly, like you just said, like when I send this place where I'm living right now to my friends, they're like, how the hell is there hockey there? We're on like an island off of Hong Kong. It's it's a it's honestly really cool. So yeah." Um, I was excited about that and I was excited about the project and, and being able to come here and uh, help develop the program. And um, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this opportunity actually, because it's really like a fresh canvas. Yeah. For me. And I've got a lot of things that I've had, you know, I think about the game and how I see, you know, the, the you know, the dynamics of the game that I believe in. And yeah. I get a chance now to build that step-by-step. Step. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, the level, yeah, we're not talking about AAA Canada. Yeah. Um, you know, it's got some room to grow, but like yeah. this is this is where it's at. Or someone, I guess I don't know if I could say this, but this is what it takes. Like when people come in here for like a week or 10 days at a time and do a camp, like it has some impact, but like it's more yeah. about like boots 100%. on the ground. You know, if you go through the program, yeah. I get 24 hours with each program, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's semi-private or you know, there's a couple of programs, I get 29 hours through the course of the season with with that group of kids. Like that's you can have a lot of impact. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that's what we need. We, we need guys like you. We need people here to help build the culture of hockey um, the right way. And I think, you know, someone with your experience, you know, that's it's really big for us. And certainly looking forward to everything that you're going to bring here. Anything stick out to you so far about the kids or the players? I know you've been on the ice a few times, gotten to see how they interact with each other a little bit on the ice and off the ice. Anything different from kids anywhere else or um, y- your initial thoughts? No, honestly, they're all they're the kids are the same all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like the U seven, U nines, like you yeah. know, there's always gonna be a sword fight going on in the line, you know, yeah. in the back of the it's all, it's all of the same. Hilarious. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny that way that universally we're all kind of the same with little hockey players when we're that age. And yeah, so yeah, you know, the U eleven kids, the same thing, you know, it's there's a couple you know, mannerisms or so to speak, or you know, they're yeah. almost they're ready to be assertive and attention you know get their attention for a full hour they're close when it takes yeah. some time yeah little couple extra whistles <laughs> yeah, of course yeah but no it's been great i've been really pleasantly surprised with the level of talent of the kids and the passion mm-hmm. of the kids um that i mean that's why i was excited to come too because it's the, those are great bones to have yeah uh, you know to as for your structure if you have that passion and and uh talent like you can do a lot. So it's not like I'm starting from, you know, 
all the way from scratch. There's there's a lot here of resource. And I think that's kind of credit to the guys that have been here before as well. There's been some great, I think in my, you know, my opinion, the China hockey group's done a great job of bringing a lot of resource here with, you know, guys that have been here in the past and, you know, those kids are very lucky. It doesn't have to be an NHL star. Like, you know, yeah. these Canadian guys and guys with the NCAA that came over here, they have a great path too. And they've absorbed, like, think about that journey. They've, they've got some cool stuff along the way too. Just because it course. wasn't a struggle, it doesn't mean it's, mm-hmm. you know, in value NCAA and major junior, like you get to, again, you, you get a great resource of stuff from people. Yeah. I mean, the, there's some really talented hockey players in this city. And you just mentioned like you, Benny McCaskill and, you know, yeah. Whitney Olson and Dave, Dave Belouche and these Jesse Lucia, these guys are legit hockey players. And there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's some really good talent here and, and, you know, they've been working really hard with the kids and you're going to have the opportunity to play with the RBC Lions, which is, you know, the U 16, mostly U 16 players. Um, you're going to get to actually suit up with them and, and play with them and, and, you know, teach them stuff. So I'm, I'm sure the kids must be real excited to get that started. Yeah, no, that is going to be great. That's, that was part of it. I was supposed to kind of, general managing coach kind of thing. And then I decided to play because I, I think that's a ton of value when uh, kids yeah. you're spending a lot of time with and trying to teach that you can go out there and execute and, and show them different stuff too. Like, you know, there's all, uh, I guess there's a, like, you know, the basics and that kind of thing that you're teaching a kid, but also like how to be creative out there and how to be mm-hmm. kind of mental. I think mentality is a huge thing. And it, it, it's something for me, I know it knocked down a lot of doors with my mentality. Like I always thought I could. So I did. Yeah. never thought I couldn't um mm. so and then when you get out in those scrimmages like that's the thing you say buddy try this like try that in that moment try this and then mm-hmm. if you get any confusion I'll go out the next shift and do it <laughs> like, right like exactly that's what I you know because that's I think that's super valuable for them to yeah. see that it is possible and then how to do it so and then it's not just some crazy older guy like running them through mm-hmm. drills you know <laughs> yeah exactly just blowing the whistle all the time <laughs> just hammer on the whistle <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah there's a lot of good things happening here and like one of the things that lacks there's a lot of like individualized skill training and that kind of stuff which is kind of odd but um in the development of of, of teams and, and and programs now they with the southern china league like some traveling, getting on a bus with your with your team, stay in a hotel for a night, go to a weekend tournament. Like these kids have never experienced any of that. And yeah. I think like that's the thing that's missing. Like that's the part where it's like they talk about hockey the whole time. You know, like they don't they go from school on the bus and their mom takes them to the rink and takes them home. There's no like it's just different. You know what I mean? So like these kind of experiences playing with you, getting a little bit of travel and getting to, you know, I think those are the things that'll help really help develop the game here. Yeah. It's, it's, a, I think it's so, uh, I don't know if it's right, but invaluable those, those weekend trips as yeah. a 10, 11, 12 year old. And we, that's what we did every weekend. You know, even when I was playing in Fulton, it was, it was travel hockey. It's not triple A, but like, you know, every weekend we were going to Plas, what our Plas guys 45 minutes away. And yeah. I mean, the big thing, we go to Auburn and stay in a hotel, the pool and get to do all that, you know, going to the pool together as a bunch of kids. And um, it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. That, that, I think it was like you just said too, that you're talking about hockey, playing floor hockey. It's hockey, yeah. hockey, hockey. Yeah. Yeah. And, and but then, you know, on the flip side of it, the, I feel like the kids here and the culture here, like they're very diverse, like with what they do. They I mean, they play an instrument, they play two or three sports like they have, yeah. which I, I kind of, I don't know if I didn't have that. I just played sports, sports, sports. Yeah. Um, 
I wonder, like, I think that's such a great resource as a parent. Yeah. I don't know how to feel about that, but it's, it is different, right? They, they do a lot of stuff. They speak, you know, different languages, a lot of different languages, yeah. um, different instruments. So it's unique for their overall thing. But if we're talking hockey, like that's the thing that kids in North yeah. America are like. They'll die for hockey. Like, you know, it's live or die. Yeah. That's yeah. so what you're up a against a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But not like, but then at the same, in the same breath, you got kids here that are, and I'm sure you've seen some of them already. You got 16 year old kids here that could play a triple A team anywhere in the world. There's some yes. talented kids around here and a little bit of coaching and a little bit of, you know, a little bit of exposure um, will go a long way for them. Absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing, getting them some new information. And yeah, uh, you know, that's, that's really important. Again, even what I just told you, like, as long as yeah. like when I'm training the guys, like I tell them that, like, that's, if that's what you want, it's okay. That's, I mean, that's not for everybody. I not, you know, yeah. I'm not going to learn to skate program. Be like, you're gonna, you're chasing after <laughs> learn to skate in upstate New York. It's not like yeah. that. It's those, those kids, if that's what they want, like that's the information you got to be able to give them. Right. And like help yeah. them understand, like, it's not, again, some old guy going, you got to do that. I'm just telling you like over across the pond, there's some kid that's going nuts right now about whatever gym, yeah. ice, gym, ice, you know discipline yeah. sleeping eating like that's yeah. what you're up against so you might meet him someday if you get to where you yeah. want to go that's cool man i mean really looking forward to seeing how the year shakes out for you and how everything develops and i'm sure it's going to be a smooth operator uh type of situation for you um before i let you go i got a few ra- i'm just looking at my notes i did have some questions written down some stuff that didn't come up in the conversation um just quickly um all kinds of stuff going on with Mike Babcock in the game right now. Um, any crazy coaching stories or like a wild request or things that a coach maybe have made you do in the past? No, I don't have anything like that. Um, no. It's your standard like snap show in between periods, like dumping the Gatorade. Do you know what I mean? Like flipping <laughs> the table going. Yeah. Ape, you know what? Um, but nothing like, yeah. We drove nothing crazy. Bab- nothing crazy Babcock. No, not bad. Not like looking at our phones and photos and stuff. So we were yeah. I never into that crap. That's good. Um, in your opinion, biggest goal you ever scored in your career? Biggest goal I ever scored? Yeah. Biggest? Most important in your mind. Could have been, could have been any league, any time. For you. Five. I always loved yeah. my baseball goal I scored with the Islanders. That was like, that was my second goal. Um, yeah. I don't know, biggest, but best for sure. Best. All right. It's a good answer. Uh, next, which Canadian team do you think is going to win the cup next? Not, not them. <laughs> not 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 of them. Dude. It's not, not happening. I don't know. It's so hard. I don't know. I thought Winnipeg was close, but they've they've crumbled. Um, that was supposed to be like a character team. You know, they got a lot of pieces, yeah. really good pieces, like, the, you know. Tall, talented right-handed shooters. They got the yeah. so, so smooth offensive left-handed players. They got the I don't know. So I thought Winnipeg. I just don't know. It just seems like they don't have the their houses built on a you know a deck of cards almost. Seems like that. I was just watching a story, I and mean, you mentioned Blake Whaler earlier, and he's obviously in your in New York right now. Yeah. I just watched a little uh, segment on him uh, introducing him with the Rangers and. Um, yeah, so the way I God knows what's happening in Winnipeg right now, but it's if they don't sign Shifley and Hellebuck, they're in big trouble. Oh yeah. It's yeah. gonna be flip, it's gonna be a total rebuild. Yep. 
Yeah. All right, Robbie. And um, before I let you go, I have a set of overtime questions. They're one-timers, quick one-answer questions. Say the first thing that comes to your mind, and then I'll have one final question for you. All right? Perfect. All right. Number one, Habs or Leafs? Leafs. Lemieux or Gretzky? Lemieux. Probert or Domi? Domi. Wah or Brodeur? Ooh, uh. <laughs> or or Lidstrom, Lidstrom, Claude Lemieux or Brad Marchand, Brad. Oh, that's t- Brad Marchand. Yeah, for sure. New captain, Eiserman uh, or Mess. I think I know where I, you're going on that one. I would go Eiserman, Messi, Messi. Yeah. All right. Next one, Bowman or Burns. Bowman. Ron or Don? Ron, uh, Don, 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 Don. Shootout or no shootout? Shootout. Last question just for you, Rob. Of all the pro arenas you've played in around the world, which one was the most memorable or greatest arena you've ever played in? And why? Ooh, that's tricky. I would say the Coliseum, the Trinity Quebec. Oh, good call. Yeah, that was Just really a special, cool. special history there and... Yeah, it's 12 years old. You're like in a spot. Like it's such a cool thing that it uh, provides. Like all the, every year, these 12 year old boys, 13 year old boys get this like experience. Like you're playing in a coliseum, almost uh, like a gladiator. So it's pretty cool. I'd say that or Davos in Switzerland. Good call. I've heard a lot about that as well. Well, sir, you made it. We made it to the end. Uh, it's, 10, it's after 10 o'clock on Friday night. Here we are doing a podcast, a couple old men. Uh, yeah i know i know uh but here we are we did it thank you so much i really appreciate your time i look forward to getting on the ice with you likewise buddy thanks for having me appreciate it all right that's across the pond and that's a wrap thank you thank you thank you to our amazing sponsors the china hockey group wheel hub asia accessoryhouseglobal.com yardley brothers beer and of course sunset studio Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Across the Pond HK. Email us, send in your comments and questions to the show at any time at Across the Pond HK at gmail.com.